I first met Dana Shinsky in 2013 when we were both talking at the first Litmus Live. At that point, he'd been helping BuzzFeed get email marketing off the ground. These days, he runs Inbox Collective, which is an email consultancy, and also he publishes a great non-email called Not a Newsletter. In this episode, we covered a lot of ground, but the key thing that we talked about is how email in the editorial and news space is the same, but kind of different. This is Email Talk, a podcast for email geeks by email geeks about how to be a better email geek. I'm Elliot Ross from Action Rocket and Taxi for Email, and I'm your host. So, Dan, um, let's talk about your three things about you. So, three things about me, and we're going two truths and a lie here? Yeah, yeah, and then we'll guess them, guess them at the end, so a little bit of a cliffhanger. Okay, okay. Um, I once competed in a dunk contest, and... An NBA dunk champion gave me a, a perfect score. I got a 50 out of 50 on a dunk. Graded by a dunk champion. Okay. Um, I My most popular BuzzFeed post of all time, the only BuzzFeed post I actually ever wrote that broke a million views is about Austin Powers' chest hair. <laughs> and I have been riding unicycles since I was 10. Wow. Those are all um, all interesting things. And I know a little bit about you, so I know that all of those could be plausible. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> I know they're all good things. <laughs> so that's cool. So, yeah, so hang around and we will talk about those later on and we'll have a... I'll, I'm going to think about it and guess which one is the, is, is the lie there. But, yeah, that's okay. intriguing me. Um, cool. So um, I think the first time I met you was in... 2013 at the first litmus i want to say uh, yes back when it was still called the email uh design conference yeah that's right and then uh, and then ted cruz came along and and broke the hashtag and then that was yes (laughs) we can all blame ted cruz we can all blame ted cruz for this specific thing yes yeah we can pin that pin that on him Everything else is debatable, but that is... I'm not sure if he's aware of his influence within the email marketing community and how disliked he is for this specific thing, (laughs) uh, requiring us to all change the hashtag. I mean, in many ways, that's where he's gone wrong over the years. I think this is where where it's set in by, by, you know, his his movement there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Um, so so I knew, knew you then, and I think you were just starting at BuzzFeed, maybe? I'm not sure. Um, I'd been at BuzzFeed for about a year at that point. Oh, that's right. Because you were talking about you'd launched an email that was the What's New in Cats, and that was the most... This Week in Cats, that's which it. was, yes, our, uh, I remember telling the team that we had just... were telling uh, talking to uh, the crowd at, at the conference about we just launched this thing, and it was only a couple weeks old, and we had gotten to, at that point tens of thousands of subscribers the open rates were in the 60s and everyone was very excited mm. also you know it was the predictable thing for the guy from buzzfeed to get up there and talk <laughs> about cats so it was very much in line with what our brand was at the moment mm. that's uh yeah i mean that's ahead of its time really now there's a lot of cats in in email so that's uh <laughs> yeah a, a trend starter so how did you end up doing emails there's this thing where like no one really sets out to do email right there's no university course or whatever like how did you end up, well, I guess, how did you even end up doing email at BuzzFeed all those years ago? So 
I also did not intend to do this. I went to journalism school at the University of Missouri and intended to be a reporter and did reporting. I worked at some news organizations. Uh, and back in 2012, I was somebody who was always playing with different tools and apps and things. And I started this newsletter. I just started up a MailChimp newsletter called Tools for Reporters. That is exactly what you think it is. It was, we would share different tools and apps and tricks and things that reporters could use to do a better job at their jobs and was pleasantly surprised at how quickly it grew. I mean, at that point, I think there were a couple hundred subscribers and every time I would send an email, I would get lots of replies from my readers with suggestions for more tools and ideas. The response was just so positive. That's cool. And when BuzzFeed came around. I had reached out to them towards the end of 2012. They were ramping up and starting to get serious. They had brought on Ben Smith as editor-in-chief and starting to really get into some serious reporting and and long-form journalism. And I had reached out just to say hi, just Mm. to see what they were up to. And they brought me in. We had some conversations. At the time, BuzzFeed basically only hired people who had a weird internet side project. So if you had a a strange Tumblr or an Instagram or a podcast, or in my case, a newsletter, they were kind of intrigued. People who made weird, interesting things on the internet tended to fit in really well at BuzzFeed. Huh. And so we started talking. And, and if you know the, a little about Jonah Peretti, who founded BuzzFeed, a lot of his origin story ties back to this moment, goodness, about 20, I think about 20 years ago, uh, when he had a chain email that went viral around a pair oh, of Nike shoes. I remember that, uh, yeah. That had the word sweatshop on them. Yeah, like the Nike, Nike ID thing, right? Like you you, you put your, put the words in and they, they gave him the shoes with sweatshop written on the back of them. Yes, yeah. and <laughs> Nike uh, was not keen on providing him with a, <laughs> a pair of shoes with the word sweatshop written on them. Mm. So that was kind of in my mind. And the other thing was BuzzFeed was all around telling stories that people would share. And email is the original source of sharing on the web. For most of us, you get an email address, that's how you shared links or ideas or stories with your friends or your family. Mm. And so I pitched them on this idea and they were into it. Despite the fact that I had no real experience in email whatsoever, I became BuzzFeed's first newsletter editor. And then over time, we really saw how powerful email could be. We launched all sorts of products. The team grew from just me to a team of five. Uh, and as we grew, we learned more. I just, I became such a believer in what email could do. Uh, but it was really by accident. And then I ended up getting hired as the first director of newsletters at the New Yorker. And once you get to a certain point where you have enough jobs with the word newsletters or email in the title, suddenly you become like an email guy. And now when I answer questions from readers, they're like, how did you get started in this? Like, Mm. have you been doing this forever? I'm like, no. Or they'll say like, how did you learn? I'm like, kind of by accident. Yeah. I got to a point where when I got started, I mean, I'll tell you this, my first day at Buzzfeed, um, our, our VP of product, uh, his name's Chris Johansson, who was employee, literally employee number one at Buzzfeed. 
Um, my immediate boss, uh, Dow Wynn, wasn't there that day. She was out sick. And so Chris brought me to my desk and he sat me down. He's like, do you know what you're supposed to be doing? Mm. And he meant it in like, do you know what you're doing today? Do you have a sense of your schedule? Are you good? I want to go back to my job. I have things to do. But I took, do you know what you're supposed to be doing in a, like a very existential way? And I was like, no, I have no idea. Uh, I remember calling my parents at the end of the day, like, how was, how was your job? It's like, I, I, they don't know what I'm, I kind of thought that I was going to show up and they're going to be like, here's the playbook that we already wrote for you. Um, just do X, Y, and Z. And like, you've got an email program. Yeah. No, we'll figure it out together. I'm like, Oh God, what did I get into? (laughs) We figured it out over time though. Yeah. That's an amazing, uh, amazing journey to take, especially where like growing alongside Buzzfeed at the same time, like, you know, it went from this kind of niche place where there were pictures of cats to, you know, kind of where it is today, right. As a fairly strong political journalism force and, and all this kind of stuff. Like it, it became pretty serious in it's that time as well. It's a completely different thing. Yeah, yeah. It was very much a rocket ship and I didn't know what I was signing up for. <laughs> None of us did in 2012. Yeah. I thought it would be a fun job for a little while. I thought I would learn a lot. I thought the people were smart. I had no idea. None of us <laughs> did what it was going to become. And that made it fun. So I got yeah. to grow with it and see the, the, the successes and the growing pains that come with scaling a business from, you know, I was employee, something like 175 mm. and the first person they hired to do this specific job. And by the time I left, and there were two offices, it was DC and New York and the New okay. York or the DC office, I believe was a couple people in a shared office space. And when I left, it was, you know, close to, 2000 some employees and something like 20 offices around the world it just it was incredible how much it changed so it was fun (laughs) to be there for that i always remember one time i was i was in new york and i I sent you an email i was like hey i'm I'm in town you know do you want to come say hi or whatever come and grab a coffee and i remember i went into the office with you and at the at the elevator there's a massive screen and the, the screen in itself was showing off um just the size of it to have just sort of lying around in the escalator lobby or the elevator. Um, but then um, on it was the live view from Google Analytics. And it said in big letters, <laughs> currently on our website, 2 million people. <laughs> and I always remember that because I talk with our sales guys all the time about, you know, sort of visiting people and things like that. And I always see it as like, that's the best FU for anyone who's walking in to sell something it's immediately like, yeah, there's 2 million people on our website. What is it that you've got? What, mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you here to do? <laughs> um, it was a slight, it was a slightly different time. It was yeah. a time where I, I was talking with a friend who was one of our writers a few weeks ago. And he was reminding me there was a moment where if he wrote a piece and it didn't get at least 250,000 page views, mm. it was considered a total flop. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. 150,000 people read this. Yeah, this yeah. was just a total dud. This didn't work at all. Yeah. It's like 150 multiple stadiums <laughs> worth of people. Like, yeah. yeah, that one didn't work at all. <laughs> it was a slightly different time on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, a crazy ride. <laughs> cool. And then, so where you at today? So you're kind of, you, you went around a, a bunch of other places in the sort of newsletter, like the news, news newsletter rather than commercial marketing stuff right and then and now you're doing your own thing right yeah so what happened was 
I went from, I was at BuzzFeed for five years. I went to the New Yorker for two, and that was an amazing place to be and help them mm. uh, try to bring the email program up to the quality that the rest of the New Yorker is. Because the New Yorker, just the quality, the reporting, the art, the storytelling, every single part of that org is exceptional. Exceptional. Really, yeah. And the goal was, let's get the email program at the level that everything else is. Because our readers expect exceptional. Okay, that's a great and goal. Back in, uh, it was January of 2019, I just got to a point where I realized, you know, I, I often would answer, people would reach out to me with, with questions and I would answer the same questions over and over again. And I realized, you know, I, I've gotten to learn a lot and I should have a resource that I can share with people the things that I have learned. You know, there's people who are just coming into the space who were in the place that I was in 2012 getting started, Mm. not really knowing anything or knowing where to start. There should be some sort of guide or resource that that helps people out as they're getting started with email. Mm. And I really had folks like me who work on, they work in a news organization or a nonprofit in mind. And so I started this Google doc that was open to anyone. It's called not a newsletter. It's not a (laughs) newsletter.com. And it's not a newsletter because it's literally a Google doc. And there was an email alert that you could sign up for and i told people you know we'll, we'll i'll write one of these every single month and i told my wife when i put out the first one uh i said if i get 10 people to sign up for the email alert i'll do a second one of these and three days later there were about 500 people who signed up for the email alert. Like, <laughs> wow Oh, something <laughs> is happening. People want this. Yeah. And I got a lot of emails from folks being like, this is the thing I've been waiting for. Oh, <laughs> good. Uh, and so as a result of that, what happened was folks started reaching out to me and saying, uh, you know, news organizations in particular, oh, you know, we have a budget to work on our email strategy this year. We know we want to invest in this. Who's the person who we should be talking to, a consultant or the organization who can help us out? Mm. It's like, Oh, I'm not really sure. <laughs> and I kept getting this question. At some point, my wife said to me, people keep asking you who the person is. The person is you. <laughs> oh, oh, you're right. So then I had to go to my bosses and tell them, like, I'm leaving the New Yorker to start this consulting business so I can help a whole bunch of news organizations. And mm. that's not really a thing that like people who get to the New Yorker don't really leave to become consultants. Right. Um, <laughs> so that was like, uh, you're doing a what now? Uh, and it's like, are you unhappy here? I'm like, no, I actually love it here. This is like a dream job. I'm like, and you're leaving. Like, yeah, that's right. Uh, and so <laughs> I've been doing it for coming up in about a year now. And it's been a lot of fun. I get to work with all sorts of news organizations and nonprofits and some brands too to help them figure out how do they grow their audience? How do they get the most out of email? Uh, how do they continue to make the investments they need to build, grow, and monetize their audiences in whatever way they're trying to, to do that sort of thing? Wow, that's that's a great, great situation to get into, right? Like, it's such a, I love how email is such a kind of close-knit uh, community, and it sounds like the kind of news publishing area of that is an even smaller, you know, tighter piece of, of that. Um, it's a it's a very small world. It's yeah. the kind of thing where I just had this happen yesterday. I'm working with uh, a team, and they had a question about a vendor, and they said, "Do you know so and so? We just heard about them. Mm. Do you know what they are?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I know those guys. I'm actually speaking at their conference next month." <laughs> like what? 
It's like, yeah, I like that. And that seems to happen on a regular, it's a very small yeah. kind of world. Everybody that. knows everybody, which is fun. I'm trying to, and I'm trying to use the Google Doc as a way to continue to connect all these different parts of this, this ecosystem and bring them all together in a place where they can learn from one another. You know, I, mm. I think too, something, and I, I'm, I think you have already always done this with Action Rocket and, and with the emails you send and, uh, you know, Going back to when we first met, Litmus. Litmus is very much in this orbit too. A lot of there's a lot of amazing organizations that are seeking not just to do great work, but also to teach and educate yeah. and try to foster communities. And I'm trying to, in a small way, trying to do that too because the more that we share, the more that we can learn from one another. I think the better we all will be in the long run. Absolutely, and you know, even as a cold hard business case, like the absolute most success is that i found is from sharing stuff like if you find something out and keep it to yourself then whatever someone else will find out the same thing and then they'll talk about it like have ideas share them with people and and be known for you know putting out ideas and discussing and, and giving advice and things like that's how that's that's how you get known but also people like what you've got to say you know and that kind yeah, of space is yeah. really good for that I agree. And the other thing too is, and I've heard this from consultant friends now in the business who've said, you, you can't give away too much. If you go give away too much, they'll never work with you mm. and you'll give away all your secrets. And my feeling and my experience has been exactly the opposite, which yeah. is let me give a lot away. Let me be extra uh, helpful and trying in terms of sharing, because at the end of the day, I find that the more that I give, the more that I can help, the more things tend to come back my way on the other end. Yeah, and course. I want to be a useful kind of, I want to be a useful piece in this ecosystem. I want to be helpful. Uh, and so, yeah, I, 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 and I would encourage anyone in the space, you have something to teach, you have something to share, like, even if it's, it could be starting a blog, it could be heck, starting a Google doc, it could be starting a podcast. It could be starting a, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, getting involved in the, the email geek slack and sharing there, whatever it is, just contributing in your own way. It's just such an amazing way to help support all of us yeah. and, and to give back to this community. And there's no barrier as well. Like if, if you don't know something and you learn something, the chances are mm -hmm. someone else is in that position as well. So like say so what you have learned is good to share because someone else will find it useful. It might be Absolutely. that other people know it and that's fine. It's not for them, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that network thing is, is such a, like, a, a tiny little example. Is a few years ago, I was, I think before you started doing the Google Doc, I was speaking with someone, I think it was at the Times or the Telegraph here in the UK. And um, uh, this lady I was speaking to, she was like, oh, you know, do you know anyone, you know, there's lots of kind of general marketing advice in email, but do you know anyone who does editorial stuff? And I was like, oh, yes, guy down in New York, give him a shout and she's like, oh, I know Dan already. He's, he's great. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy how it's just such a tight-knit community of people who just, you know, even though people are working in often competing organizations, people have still got time for each other, which is really good. It is. And the other thing that's funny, too, and I wonder if you've run into this, is, you know, I've really been doing this professionally since 2012. Mm. And... I'm still learning. In fact, something that I love most about the role that I'm in is now working one with the Google Doc and the consulting work I do. I learn a ton every single month, which is so, so fun. 
And I feel like I'm, I'm just every single month getting a little smarter and learning more about how I can do a better job and how I can help clients and how I can help my readers. But I also have these moments where I, folks will reach out and say, you know, so-and-so recommended me. They say, you're like the expert for this sort of thing. I'm like the expert for this sort of thing. Like I'm still <laughs> learning stuff. Like who said that? Who told me yeah. this sort of thing? And they're like, well, you know, and I just have these moments every once in a while. Where I'm like I'm, I'm still learning at this stuff. Like, am I, you guys, I mean, I'm just trying to be a useful cog in this sort of system. I am not some sort of like all knowing guru on high who has all the answers. <laughs> um, and I wonder every once in a while, someone will reach out to with something like a, a very kind statement. I'll be like, you know, like, are you sure you're talking about the right person? Like, are you talking about me? Like, I'm just the guy with the Google Doc. Like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to figure things out just like you are. Do you run into this too? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> this is crazy, right? But then that kind of imposter syndrome thing is, I, I know there's a lot to talk about there. <laughs> and I've seen some great talks. I think Catherine, um, uh, Catherine Grayson, I think, uh, um, one of the litmus did a great talk about it. But um, I think to some extent that's healthy because the opposite is going around acting like you're some kind of minor deity. And that, <laughs> that's not healthy. You don't want to be one of those. I uh, I hope I never get to that point. Yeah. I, I truly hope I never get to that point. Yeah, I just, just let's be useful. Let's be helpful. Yeah, exactly. Um, what I want to talk to you about is I kind of, I guess, with your background in the editorial space, and I guess going back to what that lady from, I think she was from the Telegraph, was, was kind of saying, you know, there's a lot of email marketing advice that's out there, and it, it does tend to be based on a direct conversion, like a commercial conversion of some way, like, you know, marketing. But I think editorial email is slightly different, and I think some of the methodologies for getting stuff done and and even the kind of success of it is, is different as well. Um, so we kind of know quite a lot about the challenges of making email in a commercial environment, but I think there's maybe quite a lot to talk about in terms of how to, how to get stuff done in an editorial space. So um, I guess where to start off with that. Um, what do you think a good editorial email looks like? Like who's, who's kind of doing it well and what's the kind of, what's a good way to go from doing something to doing something useful and good? Oh, it's such a good question. So, <laughs> I think there are there's certainly big names out there that folks in this industry will recognize the you know the New York Times has I just announced this the other day mm. 17 million people on their morning briefing. Wow. Uh, they're doing an all right job over there at the Times, I would say. <laughs> and they email uh, 17 Wall Street Journal, million people. 17 million people on their morning briefing. Wow. Not bad. Not bad for I've a got, newsletter. I've got commercial clients who would kill for that. <laughs> Imagine I think there are some people who would be very excited if they could get 1% of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would. Mm. Uh, the, the, the Times, the Journal, the Washington Post, the Telegraph is doing a lot of great things. Um, the Guardian is doing some really interesting things. And then there's mm. some email first players, the Skim, Morning Brew, the Hustle. Those have come to mind. Yeah. What I'm really interested in are some of these more niche players that are personality-driven that are doing really interesting things like girls night in is a great one here in the U S that I love. Um, some of the Substack products that are popped up, mm. uh, popular info, uh, info, true hoop. Um, okay. there's Ann Friedman who's been doing this for a long, long time and has a weekly newsletter. That's amazing. There's a lot of, uh, some of the stuff that has been, that the skim really pioneered. The skim was the one that launched 
products like the Hustle and Morning Brew, they're really building and standing on the shoulders of what the Skim team first built. And now we're starting to see those sorts of newsletters pop up in local markets and regional markets. Okay. Uh, 6 a.m. City, which is based in the southeast of the U.S. California Sun Out West is doing a similar sort of thing that's really smart. Um, I'm seeing a lot of really interesting just these destination products where the email is the place you're going. Um, one that I read on a daily basis, there's, there's a guy named uh, Dylan Byers at NBC News who has a newsletter called Byers Market, which is awesome. <laughs> that's a good uh, pun. I'm see- I'm- yeah, it's a good pun. <laughs> uh, there uh, are some just all sorts of interesting products that have mm. popped up. I'm in the UK. There's one called Thought Starter, which is a small group of folks who are just trying to every week give you like a useful thing to help you get involved, get active and make change in your community. Uh, I love some of the kind of offbeat emails to Robin Sloan, who's an author out on the West Coast, has this amazing, very offbeat newsletter. And you never really know what you're going to get into, but it's always interesting. Anyway, what I'd say is there are products here that are personality driven, that it was great to see. I think a lot of editorial teams kind of started building on building off of what marketing teams had historically done. Well, we're just sharing links. This is a email is a broadcast medium. And now we're starting to see personality driven products, you know, tiny letter and Substack and review. And there's a bunch of players in the space that really helped push that forward. Um, we're starting to see voiceier newsletters and newsletters built for really specific communities that I love. And so the more niche it gets, like True Hoop is one that I mentioned. They're a Substack just for hardcore NBA fans. Right. There's a lot of people who like the NBA, but they're serving such a real. It's not a sports newsletter for everybody. You love NBA basketball. This is the newsletter for you. And there's readers who say, like, I can't get enough of the NBA. I want to be plugged in. Give me behind the scenes stories. Give me updates. Give me news. Uh, help me be the first to know. Like those sorts of products, I think, are so useful. And so interesting. So um, I'm thrilled to see more teams investing in email. When I got started at BuzzFeed, a big question was like, email? Really? Now in 2012? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Even then, right? People were like, email's dead. And here we, here we oh are. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, mean, every, I think every three or four years, there's a series of, of think pieces that are like, email is dead and it's being replaced by fill in the blank, mm. you know, and it, and, and I mean, shoot, in the time that I was at Buzzfeed, I remember the day that Vine, the social network Vine oh, yeah. started and launched. And I remember <laughs> the day it died. It yeah. did not last the tenure of my time at Buzzfeed. <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, email just kind of quietly keeps chugging along. It's not sexy mm. and it's not cool. But it's so effective. And so it's been fun to see news organizations investing in it and trying to do a great job with it. The other thing, too, that I'll mention is when I first got started in this, news organizations basically thought about email for one purpose, which is we just want to drive traffic to our website. Right. That's the only goal. Let's get people to our website. Yeah, and now we're starting to see more. Or something like that is the end goal for that, right? Yep, we're going to get as many people on our list and we're going to sell ads against it and we'll yeah. drive traffic and that's the that's the ball game. And now I'm starting to see our the best publishers are using email as a way to get people from casual reader to paying supporter of your organization. So you're the New York Times and you're using email as a way to 
to get a, a new reader who might come every once in a while to engage more deeply, to build a daily habit and say, this is great. I love getting this email. The, the storytelling, the reporting is so useful. I need to subscribe and support you. We're seeing this with big orgs, you know, as big as uh, the New York Times and as small as these, you know, really hyper-local publications like Berkeley Side out in Berkeley, California, which you know, are building amazing businesses, building an amazing business off of email, or the Daily Maverick in uh, South Africa, building a membership program based on an email platform that they've been growing for years. And so the thing that I'm seeing now are news organizations in particular really starting to think about, it's not just about traffic, it's about relationships, it's about habit, and it's about conversion to some sort of aid product, uh, a subscription, a donation, a membership, something at the end that you can monetize because email is such a useful way to get people from point A to point B. That's really interesting because there's, it feels like there's some parallels with what's going on in commercial stuff or, you know, more sales driven stuff, because a lot of the rhetoric there is don't just send your offers, build brand, build engagement, be top of mind, get people excited about you as a brand. And that's, that's pretty in line with what we're sort of saying here is, you know, successful kind of deep, deep dive into a, a really detailed topic, find your kind of niche as it were, and, and, find the audience for it and then they'll be really engaged and and hang on your every email sort of thing um i think that's a really interesting point that, that is applicable not just to people working in publishing but across the board really um it's interesting as well when you mentioned uh um when you mentioned some of these brands and you, and you were talking um you called them uh, products which i think is a really smart way to think about an email um, whatever it is, a newsletter or a sequence or whatever, you know, sort of block of emails it is that you do. Like treating it as a product, I think, is a great way to bring your mindset around to thinking about how it's going to help people, thinking about what value you're going to add, why people want it, what's the trade that's going on, um, as opposed to you know, sometimes when we think about marketing, we think about it as uh, here's our aim and that's that, and we're going to sort of fire it off. Like a, you know, people talk about blasts, right? Like going to fire this yeah. missile and hopefully it will bring some bring some money back um <laughs> yes yeah. exactly the the the, the trap the, the traffic or the the money-seeking missile that you can fire out yeah. there in the world <laughs> Ho hopefully if we send enough of these it'll just come back with uh with wads of cash no yeah. i think product is, is if you think about email the way that people think about podcasts whether people think about apps, email is, and my friend Anne-Marie Dooling over at the Wall Street Journal wrote about this not too long ago, about the idea of the inbox as a platform. Mm. And email very much, you have to figure out how to build the right products to serve readers on that platform. Uh, email can be such an incredible tool when you leverage the relationship building aspect of it that you can you know, generate replies, that you can talk directly one-to-one -one with your readers when you leverage the personality aspect of it. Uh, Ian Hanley, who oh, I think is so, so smart, wrote a thing, I think about a year ago, about the, you know, so many people think about the news, but not the letter part of it. That there's, <laughs> that there needs to be right some line. personality, there needs to be the voice to it. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of these things where email done well can be done so incredibly well. My favorite things to hear at BuzzFeed where my readers would write to us and say, I hate getting emails 
except for yours. <laughs> I love yours. <laughs> and like, I, I never look forward to my, my inbox, but anytime I see your name in my inbox, I know it's going to be something good. Mm. Oh, we're doing something right here. People trust us. They have a relationship with us. They look forward to seeing us in this space. We're doing something right. And the more that you can lean into the, the unique relationship building aspects of email, the personality of email, the voice of email, the better you will be in the long run. That's so true. That there's so much to email. I think a lot of a lot of the time we approach it as a means to an end for something else to happen. And actually this kind of product mentality is really uh yeah, really smart because it helps us consider actually what is it that the email in itself is doing. It has to kind of stand up on its own and and, and be, you know, be something that is is offering a lot of value and, and is it has a job and a purpose. I think that's that's really uh, a great way of thinking. I'm gonna sort of ruminate on that a bit more. I'll pull out that um, Anne Handley blog post as well and put it in the in the show notes. So I remember that, and it's it's really good. Um, I saw yeah. her recently in a do a talk, and she was, she mentioned similar ideas. Um, yeah, she's, she's worth really, uh, really smart. worth following if if you are out there and you want to subscribe to more email. <laughs> she, yeah, Anne has a great newsletter too called. Um... It's called Total Anarchy. Oh, that's I mean, right. Yeah. I highly recommend any sort of funds. <laughs> and, and Anne's newsletter is great. Yeah. One other thing, too, that I think is so worth mentioning, and it, whether you're a news organization or you're a brand or you're a nonprofit or, or an individual sending emails, something to think about, too, is especially when you get to big lists, like, you know, at a place like BuzzFeed or The New Yorker, we were sending millions of emails right. a day. And it Sometimes you forget that while we can see that I'm sending, hitting send in an email, it's going to go to a million people today. Mm. And on the reader's end of things, this is a one-to-one kind of relationship. They don't see the other. This isn't a, a live feed where everyone is opening their email simultaneously and you're all doing it at the same time. Email is one-to-one. The New York Times straight to, you know, an individual reader. Yeah. That's an interesting relationship. I, I would always think about, and certainly at at jobs that I've done, I would think about when we're building a product, like, are there specific people in mind? Like when I launched, the first newsletter we launched at BuzzFeed was this daily newsletter. And the target audience I had in mind was my mom. She was someone who wanted something fun to read every single day. She liked when funny stories would appear in her inbox. She would share things with her friends. Um, but she was also my mom and I I kind of just like, all right, there's a line to tow. We can be clever. We can be fun, but we can only go so far. And actually having those kind of, those people in mind was great. And I I would love when my mom would shoot me a note and go, I loved my email today, not (laughs) the email you sent to a million people. I loved my email as though I'd only sent it to her. And I think there's a lot of readers who treat it like that. Yeah. Like this is a this is a thing they kind of hold on to. It shows up in your un- inbox. It's your space. It's your email. It's not the thing that went out to a million people. It's the thing that just went to you. That's a great tip. And it's, it's something that sounds so simple when you say it, right? But you never really think about it until, until someone mentions it. Um, yeah, like having writing for one person is... You hear that a little when you sort of when people are talking about doing talks at conferences, like you aim your talk at one person in the crowd and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true because you you're not writing to a crowd because it's not everyone receiving it in the same place, are they? Of course, they're not. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's a, a great thing to to take on board when you're writing content. Um, cool. That's that's really interesting. Like I'm 
I'm really intrigued about the the publishing space. That's some, covered some really interesting ideas. I hadn't really thought about that, so thanks for that. Um, there's, I'm trying to make these podcasts evergreen, but also there is a worldwide worldwide crisis going on now. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so just to talk about that for a second, how how are things in the in the kind of publishing news email space right now like what's what's the situation looking like how's it like is it is traffic up or down or is it about the same so what we're seeing across the industry right now specifically news is that opens and engagement is significantly up double digits up in terms of opens and clicks wow. over the last couple of weeks this is a moment where readers are invested and want to know what's happening right now in my community I want to know what's happening in my neighborhood so I can be safe and make the right decisions. So there's a lot of value for local outlets who have done a good job of growing their email lists. The ones who've also done a good job of growing their email lists over time and have a monetization strategy in mind, we have a membership, subscription, a donation, whatever it is, we're seeing a lot of success as well. Um, I think the other thing too that we're starting to see, and this is great, I'm so encouraged by it. I mentioned the personality part of email and how important it is. Mm. A lot of organizations had historically just done these sorts of big kind of blasts that will say, like, you want to subscribe to our, our publication, it's $1 for a month, and then whatever costs after that. And they were, just, they were just deals. And now we're starting to see publishers shift from that sort of mentality to, you know, letters from an editor talking about, here's the value that we provide, here's the work that we're doing, the impact that we're having, here's Evergreen resources that we have to help you right now. Please support us so we can continue to do the reporting to keep you safe and keep you informed during a time of crisis. And what I'm seeing across the industry are the pubs that are shifting to that sort of model. They're really hammering home the value of local journalism mm. and the storytelling and the reporting they're doing are ones who are seeing amazing returns. That's really cool. So I mean, emails kind of coming into its own right now. I mean, obviously the, the crisis isn't cool, but it's good that our channel... No, can... not in any way, but there, <laughs> there is a little bit of a silver lining here and that yeah. is forcing a lot of publishers to, one, invest in email. Let's grow our audience through email. We have a lot of traffic on our site. Let's convert that audience that might be kind of a flyby audience. Let's convert them into more engaged readers via email. Mm. And then let's invest in the right products and the right kind of personalities and strategies to take those readers and and keep them in our orbit for a long, long time and hopefully convert them into paying supporters of your work. Yeah, I, I guess as well, there's a little bit of sort of stepping in for, you know, if people can't get the newspaper right now or whatever it is, you know, other other mediums might be struggling, especially some of the more physical ones um, right now. So I guess it's a quick digital medium that even if you're not doing much before, it's a good thing to ramp up on. And if you are, were doing stuff before, it's a great place to build a lot more on. Absolutely. This episode of Email Talk is sponsored by Taxi for Email. If you're an email marketer, you need Taxi. We help everyone on your team make their best email. Designers and developers build awesome email design systems with Taxi. They build out their best HTML, then they use Taxi syntax to precisely set out how it is then used by content writers, so you can give them the flexibility they need whilst keeping everything on brand and keeping your code intact. Copywriters in Taxi focus on content and not code. 
They write directly into the email, so they're creating everything in context. That means you can create better content that engages people more and ultimately gets you better results. If you're a marketer, you can dig into things like segmentation, personalization, managing link tracking, making multiple versions of things, and most importantly, you can see what everyone on the team is doing and help them along their way. And once you're done, you can sync Taxi with whatever platform you use to send email. If that sounds good, we'd love to show you more. Go to taxiforemail.com and hit request a demo so we can chat about how Taxi can help your team create their best email. Great stuff. Like we've covered a lot, and I'm I'm really intrigued about uh, yeah the the publishing space and and how how it's got a lot more room to grow in email. Um, so to finish up, um, what uh, I guess you've you've worked in email a, a fair while. Um, if you could change one thing about email, what would it be? I really wish there was. I wish there was like a summit that Gmail would have to have, have every year. Okay. Like the inv- I wish Gmail, there was a, like they've got the, their, the, the Gmail folks in the room with all of us and just were like, here's what's happening. <laughs> here's what we're doing with our algorithms. Here's what you need to know. Do you have any questions? Cause I feel like I have, no, no, no I don't feel like I have a million questions <laughs> for the Gmail team. I wish they shared even an iota of what they know. It would really help all of us do a better job of delivering the right emails to our, you know, our readers' inboxes. Mm. Just a little bit of conversation. What do you value? What's important? That way I can share, you know, whether or not it's a, a consulting group like Inbox Collective mm. or it's Action Rocket or any of us, we could help give better advice. Yeah. So that way we could all do a better job of providing the right things to our readers and to our audience. I would, I would appreciate that too. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's a great point. Like I, um, I appreciate that they, they obviously can't share, you know, his, here are the cheat codes um, for deliverability or whatever, because not least you'd give it straight to spammers, um, you know, if they published it in, in, in the real world, but also, um, to some extent, I think they don't quite know because so much of it is AI driven and things like that. But absolutely, a bit more dialogue on that would be, would even a little bit more would have a huge amount of benefit. So that that, that could you. be a great place to move. I'll uh, I'll call up. Uh, is it Sergey? Uh, um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure you have him on yeah, yeah, I'll give him a shout and see what we can do. Um, <laughs> I do have a story about that, but we'll wait for another time. It's another podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, cool. Um, so in terms of learning things, um, what's, uh, are there any kind of books or anything like that, that is either work or personal? Like what's a, what's a book that's changed your, your life recently? It's not a one that I read recently, but it's something okay. that I, I read before I got into work at BuzzFeed actually. Oh, cool. Uh, Neil Postman, who was, uh, an incredible, incredible thinker on on media at NYU mm. wrote this book in the 1980s called Amusing Ourselves to Death. Okay. That's about how in every age, the technology that we use, the tools that we use to communicate shape the way our society is at that moment. And it's just something that I, when I think about all these different eras that have that we've gone through, radio and TV and internet and email and social media, how each of them has different strengths and weaknesses. And he just talks, even though it's the book is at this point 35 years old, it still feels like 
a book that he's talking about this current moment and how the internet and social media and email can kind of shape our lives in a really profound way. It's just, oh. it's such a smart read. I highly recommend That's it. That's a good chat. I'll, I'll track that down. I like, um, I, I do enjoy reading books that are kind of outside of the current era, not least because they, they're kind of, you know, by definition, they don't get into the weeds of whatever, how, how SEO works in 2020. You know, like they talk about big picture ideas that you can then think about how to apply into the current situation. I think that's a a useful way to learn, um, you know, actual big game changing things. So big fan of that kind of stuff. Cool. Um, and lastly, let's talk about your uh, your three facts. So I have um, former NBA dunk champion once gave me a perfect score on a dunk in a dunk contest. Um, my all-time most popular BuzzFeed post is about Austin Powers' chest hair. <laughs> um, and I've been reading the unicycle since I was 10. Um, I don't know. I want to say, I know you're into basketball, so I feel, um, yeah, it was basketball, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I know you're into basketball, so I think that could be true. Um, I'm going to say that Austin Powers' chest hair, I feel like that is a half-truth in some way. So I'm going to no. go for that. The Austin Powers one is actually true. I, <laughs> wow. I It is an embarrassing thing, but my all-time most read BuzzFeed post is about Austin Powers' chest hair. It was uh, <laughs> a, a great work of investigative journalism that that required many, many viewings of that movie. Um, <laughs> it is fairly substantial. There's a lot to it's cover in that. It's it's a it's a really when you really get in, it's a meaty movie with a lot to learn. <laughs> uh, great great a uh, great understanding of geopolitics and, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, it actually is that I, I I did have it's the only post I ever wrote that wrote, that broke a million views was about Austin Powers' chest hair of all the things that I did. Um, and the dunk contest thing is also true, although I should have a caveat. It is a half truth. It was on one of those like Nerf hoops, the little like uh, mini hoops we did at BuzzFeed. <laughs> okay. uh, Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls came in and uh, I did a dunk for him. That was a reenactment of a dunk that Dwight Howard had done at a dunk contest a few years ago involving a sticker on a backboard. And uh, I, I, <laughs> I got like a standing ovation. They were, they were, they were, these guys were so thrilled. Um, it, was, it was super fun. The unicycle is false. I can honestly... I can't even take my hands off a bicycle without like tip without fear of tipping over. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I'm like, I see you just like, I even see people ride down the street without their hands on the handlebars, and I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> no, I don't trust myself enough. <laughs> cool. Um, that's awesome. So, um, so to finish up, really, what's uh, where can people find you? And uh, yeah, where, where's your uh, your corner of the internet? So, not a newsletter. Dot com. You can sign up for the email alert there to get alerted when I publish a new thing, but I write a couple thousand words every month around uh, email strategies, things that I'm learning, and, and try to share as much as I can there. If you want to oh. join the Google Doc community, notanewsletter.com and danoshinsky.com if you just want to read my everyday and weekly kind of blog posts. Awesome. I'm a big fan of not a newsletter, so I, I heartily recommend that. Um, Cool. Cheers, Dan. Thanks for your time and thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. 
Thank you so much to Dan for joining us. We've got lots more to come on Email Talk. You can find us on your favourite podcast player and also at emailtalk.co. There's two things you can do to help us. If you can, we'd love you to leave a review or a rating on iTunes. And also, please share this podcast with other people that you know who work in email. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.